Hello and welcome to another episode of the Under Pressure Podcast, your weekly podcast where we take a look at players, coaches, teams or whoever may be under pressure. As always, I'm your co-host Jake Barker and with me again we have Matt. How are you doing Matt? I'm doing great. How are you doing Jake? Yeah, it's been a good week of sport. Been uh, tuned into a, a few different things. What have you been watching this week? Um, for me, probably the highlight was the... Um the supercars race at um, Barcelona and Silverstone where they got um, Red Bull F1 Max Verstappen to race. And oh, cool. um, that was really, really good. He got oh, three podiums in the four races and in the first race at, um, at Silverstone, he did a superb overtake over the, in the one move over Shane Van Gisbergen and Scotty McLaughlin, um, who are both uh, champions of the last probably three, three, four years of the um, category. So it was a superb race seeing him perform like he did. Oh, okay, nice. That's awesome. Where can where can people uh, so, watch that if they so want to check? Uh, that's on KO and Fox Sports, um, and also I do know that. Um, both the Red Bull Holden Racing team and Red Bull F1 teams both shared it on Facebook Live. So the great thing was it being shared on both those channels. A lot of Max Verstappen viewers in Europe uh, got to watch it and sort of expose it to the Australian racing, which is uh, one yeah, of the fantastic. few good things to come from um, isolation. Uh, so what sport have you been watching? Uh, actually, I've been... <laughs> I've gone a le- bit left field this week. It's been a bit of a strange, strange week. I turned on KO like yourself and um, I decided to tune into the ESPN. And funnily enough, what was on ESPN at the time was a mini golf putt-putt challenge on ESPN, the Ocho, where they play all different types of obscure sports. So there was these three guys um, putting each hole Yep. And each hole was worth a certain amount of money. And if one of them made it, then they, they got the money. If two oh, of them awesome. made it, then they'd move on to the next hole. So it was really, it was really obscure and really funny. And then the next sport with the big quotation marks I'll, uh, I'll put in was um, the sign flipping championships. So those people who stand at the front and flip signs for restaurants and different things like that. So it was really, really strange. And of course, one of my favourite obscure sports, uh, cornhole. Love a bit of cornhole. I got myself a uh, a cornhole set as well at home here. So I've played it a few times as well. So this week's all been about obscure sports for me. So it's been a bit bit funny and really good to watch. Now I know this week uh, you wanted to talk about a bit about the F ones and the scene going on over there. Yeah, um, it's a bit of a interesting week, and a few voices have spoken. About and I'm talking about the Sebastian Vettel storyline at Ferrari. Um, if you go back to 2014, when he left Red Bull at the end of the year after, um, so he was world champion 2010 through 2013, and then 2014 yeah. new regulations came in, which saw Mercedes start to dominate the sport and. He also had a new teammate that year with Daniel Ricciardo replacing uh, Mark Webber. So there was a, a few changes at Red Bull in the sport that year. Yeah. And um, Vettel had a disastrous year. Uh, ab- uh, absolutely disastrous. 
that year was only had three race winners with the two Mercedes drivers in uh, Lewis Hamilton and Nico Rosberg. And oh, yeah. um, um, Daniel Ricciardo uh, snuck in three race uh, wins that year. Pretty much all of them came at the back of Mercedes having issues. Uh, one of them was where two Mercedes drive, the two Mercedes drivers crashed and um, that just opened was, up the race for them. Yeah, opened up the race for them. So Rick, Vettel's year, he finished actually fifth in the championship that year um, behind the likes of the two Mercedes drivers, uh, Daniel Ricciardo and Valtteri Bottas, who at the time was racing for Williams. Oh, wow. Um, so uh, Vettel only was on the podium four times that year with a best result of second in Singapore. That's very so, low for his standards. Yeah, and bearing in mind, you go back a year earlier, he was winning everything. It was a phenomenal run he had at winning the championship. And to go from first to fifth is a huge yeah. change. Yeah, and, definitely. And um, Martin Brundle, who is the voice of Formula One, would probably be the best way to describe him, um, has... We started to speak about that year a bit during the week and he said, I never understood Seb's awful season when Ricardo arrived. And the first rule of racing is the first person you want to beat is your teammate. And Vettel got absolutely destroyed. Yeah. There's, there's no other other way to describe that. And, yeah. Uh, and then uh, um, Brundle went on to say, he kept saying, he, he kept saying, talking about Vettel here, he hated the hybrid cars. But when he got to Ferrari in 2015, he was on the pace immediately. And it wasn't as if he had a bad year. The thought of it being a bad year has always been a factor. Christian Horner said during the year, He's just won four championships. That takes a huge mental burden on the. Or I'm paraphrasing here, a huge yeah. mental burden on the on the driver, and he just perhaps needed a quite a year where he wasn't in the championship fight where the pressure was fully on him. Yeah, the in spotlight 20, was all, all yeah. on him. And just to prove that his um, year in 2015 started differently, four of his first five races were on the podium, including a race win in round two in Malaysia. Oh. So he got more podiums in the first five races than he did in the, all of the previous season. So it was yeah. a dramatically different season. Um, and he, he, he seemed to refresh at Ferrari. It was being a German. It was the Michael Schumacher story of a German Ferrari <laughs> driver winning the yeah. championship. That was very much the storyline of it. And going to Ferrari like Michael was something that Seb's always referenced. Mm. Um, flash forward 2015, sort of was around the championship far through from 2015, 2016, 2017 and 2018. He well, sorry, 2016 onwards. He was sort of around the championship fight, but he was clearly behind such a dominant driver. So, yeah, 
it was kind of like you you accepted that accepted that the two Mercs were in a league of their own that year. Their car, the car package they had then was significantly better than the next best car that year being Ferrari and potentially even the Williams. But um, Martin Brundle kept going back to 2014 saying, I always wondered why he went slowly in 2014. Was it because he wanted to trigger his contract with Red Bull and leave a year early? Well, yeah, exactly. So that's one thing. And whatever he had to do, if he stayed another year like that, his yeah. value would have been half because Ricardo smashed him. Oh, for sure. So this this is a big issue. So I guess you look back to Seb's teammates of he's had uh, Mark Webber, um, Daniel Ricardo, um, Kimi Räikkönen, and now he's got Charles Leclerc. And I think he was very <laughs> he was very lucky at both Ferrari and Red Bull to have Mark Webber and Kimi Räikkönen as teammates, both superb yeah, drivers. Yeah, Raikkonen uh, for... is a world champion, mm. but they were clearly the number two driver at the team. Vettel was the number one driver. And that's what we thought in 2014. Ricardo would be play second fiddle to, to Seb and um, Daniel had a different idea and tried to prove that he was a better driver. And ultimately that left to Ricard, uh, Seb leaving the team. And to be honest, last year I feel like the same thing was happening at Ferrari with Charles Leclerc. Once again, younger driver comes into the team, all expected to play second fiddle to um, Seb. Yeah. And performs significantly better than Seb. So, so last year, Seb scored 240 points with one first place, five second places, and three third placings. Yeah. Charles Leclerc had two first places, one second place, and six third places. With Charles, he really should have had three wins. He had a car mechanical trouble, no fault of his own. And oh, that that's right. In um, Bahrain, and that caused him to go from first to third. Yeah. And Lewis Hamilton on the podium, I remember it, and I'll paraphrase him. He said, really, Seb should have won this. Uh, sorry, not Seb. Uh, Charles should have won this Charles, race. Yeah. It should have been Charles' first win. And then in Austria, um, he, uh, Charles was once again at the front and Max was stepping on fresher tyres. Took him in, in a, a move that was deemed legal, but it was questionable. There was always the talk of... After the race, could the first place have been stripped from Seb? So he, he could have had four wins last year. Yeah, I remember that. That was, and, a, that, was, that was a pretty intense race, that one. Yeah. So the thing is, Seb's contract finishes this year. Charles was contracted for this, this year, but has already extended his contract and is, is on a long-term deal with Ferrari. So Ferrari have decided... Charles is our future. Charles is, is the driver that, that will win probably a next championship. So where does that leave Seb? Does he stay at a team, which is no longer really, if you look at the contract situation, his team? 
no, no longer, he, for sure. He, he looks to me like he is very clearly the second fiddle. Then, where does he go? Does he go to Mercedes and partner one of Hamilton or um, Bottas? I don't see him going back to Red Bull um, because no. Max Verstappen is the man and I don't see Red Bull going and investing in Seb again. Does he go to McLaren, Renault, Aston Martin, who is joining the team next year? I don't know. However, Seb has said he wants to remain at the team. Oh, wow. Um, I guess when you're racing for Ferrari, he's racing for arguably the most iconic team in world sport. I can't see a... There's not many teams in world sport that have the prestige and honour that Ferrari does. Especially in the racing circle. Oh, in the racing, yeah, it's the deal. And if Seb stays, I don't see him winning a world championship. No, definitely not. He can be the number two driver, support Charles. But Seb's a father. I, I actually, if I was Seb, I'd consider stepping away from the sport. I was going to say, is it worth him being a number two driver or is it? Yeah, because in the last few years, he's made huge um, mistakes on the track. He made a mistake a couple of years ago at his home Grand Prix in Germany at Hockenheim, um, where he, he really did make careless mistakes. And he's made a number of careless mistakes it was, a, I think, a warm-down lap where he blamed Lance Stroll, where it was clearly his fault for the cars hitting in, in, in my mind. For me, I'll just put it differently. If Lewis Hamilton or Daniel Ricciardo or uh, Max Verstappen went to partner Charles Leclerc, I see them as two number one drivers fighting it out together. Yeah, I just don't see Seb having the 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 hunger to the drive the drive to fight Charles Leclerc across a full season mm. and I it, it, it's harsh he is a four-time world champion he's won the fourth most races of anyone in Formula One history he's up there with the names of Michael Schumacher Lewis Hamilton and Alain Prost is the only drivers to win 50 Grand Prix. He is in the absolute top echelon. Yeah. Of drivers. Of drivers. But I, I just see that his best is past him. And with where Formula One is now, I'm going to compare a few drivers to footy players. You've got Max Verstappen, Charles Leclerc, who were the um, sort of like the Paddy Cripps and Marcus Bontempelli's. We know that they're going to be the people to dominate the sport for the next few years but they yeah. yet haven't quite won the Brownlow medal or the world championship whereas Lewis Hamilton is the nat five he's still got a couple of good years left whereas mm. I see Seb as the Gary Ablett very much in the twilight of his career and just for the Australian listeners I would say Daniel Ricciardo is the oh, He's, he's probably like a Patrick Dangerfield mm. who still wants to win his first premiership. Yeah. He's got the success and the runs on the board, 
but he just hasn't reached the absolute final hasn't thing got to that he wants pinnacle. to achieve in the sport. Yeah, hasn't got to the but, pinnacle of his career yet. So it's really interesting. I there's a number of things going on with Aston Martin and Lewis Hamilton's contract isn't still decided for beyond this year, like Seb. I did read during the week that if Seb does sign for for Ferrari, it's likely to be a one-year deal. Oh. And we all know what they're like in sport. It's it's sort of like they're just hedging their bets. They're going, yep, we'll, we'll stay around for one more year and see what happens. And then the club's hoping it pays off. Yeah. And I, I just see... I, I'm a, I've been a Red Bull man my, pretty much my entire racing existence. And I loved Seb in those years. Obviously, I would have loved to have seen Mark win. But I just don't see the same driver in Seb now than I did between 2010 and 2013, where he was unstoppable. In 2011, he, he pretty much won the championship. Yeah. It's all you, about, he was the only one you ever about, by round eight. And I just don't see him coming back. And yeah. and that's hard. Does he stay on the grid? Does he go? Does he go and attempted a new challenge at McLaren or Aston Martin or Renault and see if he can build a team up? Um, similar to what Daniel's sort of sort of trying to do now with Renault while he's sort of waiting for someone to move at Mercedes or Ferrari. Mm. I just don't know. I see Charles as, if you ask me who I see winning the championship, who are the drivers who can win the championship this year, I would say it's only Hamilton, Verstappen and Leclerc. I don't see their teammates in Albon, uh, Bottas and Seb being able to sustain a championship fight to those drivers because I feel like, the drive and the hunger the other three had is unstoppable. Yeah. yeah, just outweighs the the outweighs the other three. So if I but Seb's gone on to say this week, um, there is a high chance that we will make a decision before the first race, whenever that is. That's sort of looking around June, July, August, um, and that's the other thing. Will drivers want to move teams? knowing that this year's championship could go into next year. So sort of finish this year's championship in February next year and then start next year's in March next year. So there's that also element. It's going to be hard for drivers to move teams. So maybe there may be a lot of one-year deals going on then. Yeah, and I wouldn't. And the new regulation change that was supposed to come in next year has been pushed back to at least 2022 potentially 2023 that's the other thing i i would have thought uh, initially this year i would have thought seb finishes this year and they go into a new regulation change with someone else either ricardo i would imagine of either ricardo or hamilton at ferrari mm. and the other one at the other team that's that's what i where i saw this year going um but obviously the sports changed because of the corona situation i think seb should potentially retire. He leaves as a legend of the sport, a four-time world champion, won over 50 races, and he's raced for Ferrari, the pinnacle of racing. He hasn't done 
what many describe as the ultimate pinnacle and win a championship at Ferrari, which was always his goal. But he has still ticked so many boxes. And for four years, he was, he had probably the best car on the grid, but he dominated the sport. And even in the years where I think it was 2012, where his car was relatively on par with some of the other cars, he still won. So Seb's got a lot of, he's got the legend status of the sport and there's not really much more he can achieve. So if I was him, I would look at retiring at the end of the year because I feel like the pressure, the drive has passed him. And I know that's a, it's a hard thing to say about a legend of a sport, but yeah, that's where I see it. I did have one question about, about this all and you're talking about like retirement and stuff. With F1 drivers, when do they tend to start finishing off their careers? Like what age is a, when do they start wrapping up their Um, driving careers? So Seb right now is... He's 32 at the moment. Yeah, 32. It would be an early retirement. Okay. Um, Most people would retire mid 30s. So it's only a year or two early. Yeah, okay. But remember, he's got a family and he's doing a sport, one of the most dangerous sports in the world. So yeah. is that is his is it worth him to retire now? That being said, Fernando Alonso is a little bit is a little bit older and he's rumored to come back to Formula One next year and he's thirty-eight. So he's had a two-year gap from Formula One. I'd say it's unlikely that he would return, but it's a possibility. Yep. Um, uh, Kimi Raikkonen's 40 years old and still racing. Lewis Hamilton's 35. So there's no real time, but sort of I would definitely say mid-30s would be the time that most drivers start to wind down and at that age most drivers do have a family and they're looking at the next part of their life so yeah yeah i was going to say that they're more likely to end it while they're on top rather than sort of petering out like a lot of say afl players do so like yeah kimmy raikkonen sort of he won the champions. He's 40 now. He won the championship in 2007 where he would have been 27. Yeah. He then had took a year off in like across 29, 2010 and 2011, I think, and then came back again. And there's just not quite been there. Michael retired, I think in two, Schumacher retired in 2006 and came back in 2010. And that it's, it's different for everyone. Nico Rosberg uh, famously retired at the end of 2016 after winning his first world championship. And that he went, all as I wanted to achieve in Formula One was a world championship. I've done that. And he retired after that. He's 34 now. And in 2016, he would have been 31 when he retired. But the he same retired. Same as Vettel. Same age as Vettel. And he retired at the absolute top of the sport. Yes. As world champion that year so it's 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 different but i would definitely say that i just don't see seb racing next year and if i do 
he's a number two driver at um, Ferrari. I, I you don't see him moving to another team? I just don't see what he would get out of racing for another team. Yeah. Um, they're going to be midfield teams. He won't be racing for wins. I just don't see that panning out well for him. I, and if he is at Ferrari, I just don't see him beating Giles. So I, I think retirement's his best option. Unless he and unless him and Hamilton swap and he goes to Mercedes. And even then, I just don't see I just don't see it. I don't see it happening. That's yeah. I I mean it's a, it's obviously a hard decision retirement, so yeah, I, I imagine he's weighing up every single option that he's got at the moment, and yeah. you've listed, you've listed all of them: retirement, um, staying at the same team, moving to a different team as the yeah. second or first drivers. So, I guess he's got a lot to weigh up in the next in the next half a year with all this all this stuff going on. It's going to be a bit different. So, yeah, I have a lot and to the, think about. And the pressure's got to him over the last few years. He's made careless mistakes, and when he has been in the championship fight. He's really faltered in the second half of the year. And that's when Lewis Hamilton, as a six-time world champion, has just cleaned him up and just gone, I can handle the pressure. I want to win this more. And I just feel like... He's a lot cleaner with everything. Yeah. So, yeah, that's that's my take on the very much under-pressure Seb Vettel. And I believe you had a topic you wanted to discuss today as well. Yeah, mine, mine's a bit left field. I know everyone loves a bit of uh, AFL and we like, you and I obviously love talking a bit of AFL. It's probably one of our favourite sports to talk about, I'd say. So I wanted to go a left, bit left field with my topic today, not necessarily talk about uh, an article that the, or someone has produced. I wanted to take a look at the new game that's been released to the public over the last couple of weeks which is AFL Evolution 2, which I know many AFL fans, including myself, are very excited about and everyone's playing at the moment and producing um, content and things on YouTube for people to watch, given the lack of sport and AFL going on at the moment. So I wanted to take a look at some of the team ratings and player ratings. So we'll start with the team ratings. And I wanted to take a look at playing a little game with you today, Matt. Okay, yeah, I'm up, I'm up for a little bit of a game. So it's a, bit of, it's a bit of a weird name. It's just called Overs, Unders or Perfect. Yep. I'm going to give you a team and their rating. And what I want us to talk about is whether we think that the team's rating is perfect right at the point where it should be whether you think the game creators have gone under the expectation of the team or whether they've gone over the expectation yep. of the team. Gotcha. So we'll go in order of we'll go in order of the teams. From so, best to worst? No, just in order of from A to Z. Yep, gotcha. So we'll start with Adelaide. Adelaide's an eighty two team rating. Where do you see Adelaide as as a team at the moment? Just to, see that. just to give you another 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 option to look at, 
because we don't have another team to compare it to. Yep. Also, we'll do the next team as well, which is the Brisbane Lions are also an 82. So looking at that, do we think Adelaide is over, under, or perfect right at where they should be? Where um, just you... out of curiosity, what's the highest team rating and what's the lowest team rating? So in the game, the highest team rating is an 85. Yep. The lowest team rating is a 78. Okay. I, yep. I have Adelaide as unders and I have Brisbane at, a, at perfect. So you think Adelaide I, should be... Yeah, with for me, Adelaide, I, I see them as a bottom four side. And with Brisbane, I see them as a top eight side, um, potentially top four. Um, I want to see a little bit more of what they produced last year before I... If they can produce what they produced last year, unders, they yeah. need a higher rating. But at the moment, I just need to see a little bit more from them. Oh, so Adelaide, so Adelaide would then be overs. Yes, yes, Adelaide you overs. Be lower. You should they, their rating should be a bit lower. Yes. And yeah, Brisbane, absolutely. And Brisbane right, the money. maybe a bit higher. Yeah, gotcha. All right, next two teams we have Carlton and Collingwood. Carlton is also listed as an eighty-two overall, and Collingwood is listed at a game high eighty-five. I actually would say both of them. I would we'll say start, actually yeah. both of them are actually pretty much on the money. Yeah, I was, I was, I'm, I'm tending to agree with you. I think Carlton are that up and coming team, and I think 82 is probably about right with the lowest yeah. team being a 78, and maybe one down. But I think Carlton's pretty good. And, and I say, yeah, I say on individual talent, they're probably got the best team on individual talent in the comp. Whereas um, they, but they might not be the best team. They might have the best overall top talent, but they might not be the best team. Yeah, they might not. Their the lower end of players aren't as strong, but their top enders are like ninety plus players. Yeah. yeah, gotcha. Yeah, I tend to agree with that. I reckon they've got that spot on. With yeah. the next couple of teams, we got. Who have we got? We've got Essendon and we've got Fremantle. So Essendon is at a, what have we got here? Essendon is also at an 82. There's a few teams in the 82 bracket. I think that they were looking at as a mid-range sort of team. And Fremantle is actually an 80. So start with Essendon. Are we thinking, are they over what they should be, under, or are they spot on? Fractionally... Over? Yeah, I, I reckon as well. I think they're and, a bit over what they should be. And I'd say Frio's about on the money. Yeah, Frio are about a, a bottom-end team, so I think... If anything, got... they could both be 81s. I'd be happy with them both being 81s. Okay, so they're yeah, on the same level. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah. All right. Next two teams, we have uh, Geelong and the Gold Coast. Geelong is sitting at an 83, so just above that middle echelon of teams. And the Gold Coast Suns are sitting at a game low of 78, as we probably all predicted. Yep. Um, I actually agree with both those. I think Geelong at the moment are just above the mid-range. Yep. But 
I think just going off on a thing, looking at a whole season, I just don't know if they can maintain that level of competitive with an aging list across the whole year. So I think at the start of the year, 83, maybe at the back end of the year, an 82. But that's probably reading into it a bit much and Gold Coast is spot on the money there. Yeah, so Geelong sort of just above, but then sort of coming back down to earth a yeah. little bit with yeah. those ranked teams. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah. And then, yeah, I yeah completely agree with you with the uh, Gold Coast there, definitely. That's for sure. Next next couple, we've got uh, the Giants and we've got Hawthorne, both sitting at 83. Thoughts on Und- those two? Unders for the Giants. Um, I, would have, I would have had them up there with Collingwood. Yep. And slightly, ever so slightly, overs for Hawthorne. I would have had them in the mid-range bracket. So, so say Giants go up to an eighty-four, to an eight. Hawks come I, down to an eighty-two. I would, I would have the uh, yes for Hawthorne. I agree with you, eighty-two for Hawthorne. Giants, I would put on the same as Collingwood. Oh, right up at the, right up at the top. Right at the top. I like it. Yeah, I, I can see where you're coming from because they've got a lot of good young players that can develop. Yeah. I think if this game was released in a couple of years, I reckon they'd be the probably the top one of the top ranked teams. Yeah. In the game, if not the top ranked, I would say. Yeah. Uh, moving on to the next couple, we have Melbourne and we have North Melbourne. Uh, to kick things off. Melbourne are at 84, and North Melbourne are an 81. First, I'd like to hear your North Melbourne. Um, North Melbourne, um, I agree with. They're just below the mid-range, so I'm happy with that. Melbourne, I am a Melbourne supporter. They should be 100. Um, (laughs) No, I think think 84 is about right, conditionally only. If they can prove... If they go back to their 2018 form, 84 is spot on. But if they play like they did in 2019, they're an 81. Yeah. So it depends which Melbourne show up. So I'm going to say, yes, I agree with it if the 2018 Melbourne shows up, but I disagree with it if last year's Melbourne shows shows up. Yeah. If that makes I mean, sense. And that, I mean, and that's hard with it. With, as you know, with a team that's been going up and down the last couple of years, it is hard to rate a team like that. Yeah. And I think, and um, on that, I think round one, they actually played all right. They just could not kick it to a forward inside 50 or kick a goal. That was Melbourne's problem in round one. Yeah. The rest of their their game, I think they actually played a pretty decent game. Um, And remember, I think that Melbourne's top talent with the, the Max Gorns, the Clayton Olivers. I'm putting Christian Petrarca in there because I think his time has very much arrived. And, and we, all Jack Butler, we all know that you love him, that's for sure. He played a phenomenal round one. Um, and Jack Viney, I think they've got that top tier talent. It's just that they just need that year for them to explode out onto the scene. So, yeah, I'd say 84 is right if they back up their 2018 form. Bit like, bit like Brisbane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, completely agree. They're sort of on that same little, same level. Yeah. Next couple so, yeah. of teams, we've got Port Adelaide and we've got Richmond. Uh, Port Adelaide is sitting at an eighty-one, and Richmond is sitting at an eighty-three, which is very surprising. I would have had Richmond as at an eighty-six. So um, above Collingwood. Above Collingwood. Yeah. Um, 
the problem for that, and I'm guessing the way that the game formula works out is they go off individual player talent and they don't take into account um, the team blending together. And I can't think of a team in our lifetime that blends so well together like the Richmond team at the moment. And that's yes. why I have them as an 86. Um, you said Port Adelaide at 81. I would say that is about right. I yes. don't see... I see them as just below the centre teams. Yeah, I see. I see them. Yeah, I see them on the North Melbourne level. That those teams that are just below yeah. that bottom eight, or could sneak in maybe if possible. But but then they could be a team that then falls below that as well. So they could either go up or down. I think. Yeah. Sort of echelon of teams. I think. Very much agree with you there. The next couple we've got. Both both the S's, I should say, the St Kilda and Sydney, both at 81s. So they're telling us that they're about the same. So over, under, or perfect. Sydney is perfect. Yep. Um, St Kilda, I don't think they're in 81, but I also don't think they're in 82. I, I think they are in 81 and a half. <laughs> I know that is super... Super frustrating, but I just... Actually, no, I'm going to give them an 82. I think they're fractionally underrated. I'm going to give them that 82. Yep. Yeah, I can, I can see that. I can see why you could, you'd want to float between I, both. It's, yeah. Depending uh, on which team comes out at what point. Yeah. And I think with Richmond, I, I remember listening to uh, Ratton talking on the thing, their match committee, and I think their assistant coaches looked at their list and um, you'd, you'd, you'd like to think when you've got a fairly good idea um, what your best 22 is. And they, I think he said that they came up with over 30 names in their best 22s. So there's yeah. a lot of competition for sports uh, spots there. That's crazy. Yeah. No, I completely agree with you there. That's for sure. They, they, they do have a lot of depth there now with a few yeah. signings that they've had. The last yeah. couple of teams we're going to move on to uh, West Coast and the Western Bulldogs. West Coast coming in at an 84, the same as Melbourne. And the Bulldogs coming in that middle rung of teams at an 82. So your last thoughts on those two teams? West Coast are an 80. I, I, put, I would have West Coast at an 85 along with the Collingwoods and GWSs. Yep. Just above Melbourne, I think. There is a gap there. And what was the Bulldogs again? Uh, Bulldogs was that middle echelon of teams, so they're 82. I would, have, I would have Western Bulldogs at an 83. Yeah, I know you're very high on the Bulldogs. I'm not surprised yeah. by the, uh, the uh, lift in the rating. But yeah, but yeah. I, personally, I, I, I agree with you on the, um, on the West Coast one. I do believe that the names on that list... Uh, of the Collingwoods and the GWSs, I think they're in that. If you were to compare those three teams, I think most people would have them on the same same level. With the Bulldogs, I'm not as high on the Bulldogs as everyone as everyone else, but I do still think they're that one of those middle teams. I don't think they'll miss finals if they were to play finals, but I still think they're at that middle team from that six to ten range. So I do think. They are an eighty-two, in in my opinion, that is. Yeah. But, but yeah, I, 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 that was a fun game. Um, yeah. 
it's a bit different. It's a bit of a different thing. I'll just run through a couple of players who I think are actually overs. So they've done in each individual player ratings as well. We'll only go through a few of these, and I want want your thoughts on those. I'll give you I'll give you some of the rankings of the uh, better players, and then I'll um, move over to some players that who I think are definitely overs. So you got some you got the likes of Dusty Martin's a ninety seven, Danger Buddy, Fife. Are all 96s. Cripps and McGovern are 95s. Which Gorn. McGovern? Which McGovern? Jeremy, of course. Yeah. Definitely not Mitch. Definitely not Mitch. Just just, just clarifying. Yeah, no, that's fair. Uh, Gorn, Grundy, Neil, and also Rancy's are 94 as well, even though he is retired, but I'm sure they started making this a long time ago. Uh, Clara, your man's a 93. Harris Andrews a 92. So they're they're some of the they're, they're some of the top players. Buddy fractionally overs. Yeah, I definitely. would say. I've made a small list of who I think are a bit overs. So Rory Sloan is actually a ninety-four. What are your overs. thoughts on that? I think that's a I think that's huge overs on that one. That would put a lot of pressure on him to play pretty well. Yeah. Over the next over the next year, if they get on if they get on the park, and in saying that, his his teammate. Taylor Walker, 89, probably very much overs. Uh, Taylor Walker is more overs than Rory Sloan there, and I would not have expected to say that after hearing Rory's rating. Yeah, I know. It, it's ridiculous. Like, they expect them to play. I mean, I know it's a hard rating players and all that. You, you have formulas and things like that, and it comes out with this at the end. But, I mean, I know pl- actual players don't feel pressure by any of these ratings or anything, but if... If you had to live up to your rating, um, I'm sure that uh, Sloney and Tex would be uh, feeling it. That's for sure. Yeah. Jack Crisp at a 90, I thought was a bit high. Maybe only a tad. He's a very good defender, but probably... A bit overs. A bit overs for mine. More of an 85, 86 type player. Oh, this is probably This is probably the biggest overs. Maybe not four or five years ago, but I would say... Now, definitely. Luke Bruce, a 92. I think that's very much overs. Yes, I'd, I'd agree with that. That would be that would be putting a lot of pressure on him to be playing well. That's for sure. Uh, Matt Suckling from the Bulldogs is an 87. I feel like last year he did have a good year. So I think that's helped him. Yeah, for sure. But I think that's, that's very much overs and will put a ton of pressure on him to back it up again. And we'll go with one more. I'll give you. I'll give you a Melbourne player who I think is overs. I'm sure. I'm sure you'll be interested to know who 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 I think who I think is overs for Melbourne. Yeah. Who? They've got Jake Lever at a ninety. What are your thoughts on that? With the ratings that I've read out so far, do you think he's a ninety? I think it's a little only a little bit, but I think it is overs for him. I think. He is more than capable of performing at that level. At but a 90 just rating? At a 90 rating. But he didn't last year after returning out from an ACL, which is not unprecedented not to return to your best after an ACL. Oh, I, think I think he's capable of, but we, I need to see him play more than just one round this year. Yeah, gotcha. So, yeah, so I'd say, talk to me, ask me that, 
halfway through the season. Yeah. So after sort of round eight or nine, and I can answer that, but I can't answer that right now. Yeah. No, completely, completely get that. So yeah, just thought that'd be a bit of fun. I've got, I've got the games I've been going through it a bit. So I thought that'd be a little bit of a left field topic to talk about. I'm yeah, sure. No, a, a I'm a sure. Lot of fun. Yeah, I, I thought it was a little bit different. So. I hope, it, I hope all the listeners enjoyed that. But we'll, we'll get into more of a um, bit of an article next time. Yeah, for sure. That's brilliant. So I think if, if you don't have anything else to say, I think that's all we've got I time think, for. I think, yeah, I think that's all I've got to have to say and have a great week watching sport and maybe tr- try watching a sport that you haven't watched before or never thought about watching because there's a lot of great sport that isn't mainstream that's able to watch at the moment. Yeah. There's, yeah, there's so much on that. Yeah. As Matt said, I think if you, if you do get the chance to watch something different or, or get into it, and then maybe at the end of this, you become a, a very avid fan of that sport that you've watched over these last couple of weeks. Now on behalf of Matt and I, I thank, thank you for listening to the under pressure podcast today. Uh, remember to, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, also Google Podcasts and Spotify. Uh, Matt, Matt and I are talking about possibly introducing some social media. So give us your thoughts on that. We might start a, a Twitter or an Instagram or something like that just to um, get things moving on the social media side. So once again, on behalf of Matt and I, thanks for joining us on the Under Pressure Podcast and we'll see you next time.